Welcome to the KPC Podcast. This week's message is from Pastor Steve Keller. Hey kids, welcome. We're glad you're with us today. It's a treat to have you in worship with us today. And if you're uh, an out-of-towner visiting uh, family, we just pray that today you feel like you're with family here. Um, If you missed the opening of the service, Mark, I love that. As we celebrate our independence as a nation, we come in here on Sunday and we celebrate our dependence on the Lord. Is that copyrighted or can I use that in the future? Okay, all right, we'll talk about the fee later. All right, so uh, welcome to our one word series. These are key words in the Christian life. Um, words that we, we really can't live without a good understanding of as Christians. Some of them are huge theological words. Uh, some of them are words you've ever heard, uh, you've heard before. But we're just looking at some of these big words from a biblical perspective. And today's word is a word everybody has heard. Uh, and the word is time. So we are going to talk about time. And to, to introduce this from God's perspective, I want to tell you a little story Um, This happened in my life uh, about 2001, and uh, Jane and I had planted a church. We're in the country of North Carolina, and um, I had a a meeting one morning set up with a visiting pastor, and the pastor was from Kenya, so I'm really looking forward. His name was Philip Karanja, and um, Philip was, was coming to see me, so I'm already that morning, and the bottom line is Philip didn't show. Nine o'clock comes, no Philip. 9.15, no Philip. I waited for about an hour, no Philip. And um, I sound like I'm pulling up my car to the gas station when I say no Philip, but no Philip, all right? So I waited about an hour, and then I was like, all right, I can't just sit here all day. So I got busy with some things around the office, you know, knocking out some emails, phone calls, and that. And, and, and then a few hours go by, and I was like, all right, you know what? I'm writing Philip off for the day. I went out and had lunch with one of our elders, and then I went to go see somebody in the church, a, a sweet little old lady named Dixie. She lived in the country, and her name was Dixie. Perfect. And so Dixie and I are sharing. And finally, um, real deep in the day, my phone rings, and I can see that it is Philip. So I answered the phone. And I said, Philip, is everything okay? And, and I'll only do his accent once, but he, he said to me, Brother Steve, praise the Lord. Everything is fine. I am here. Where are you? <laughs> so I was like, um, Philip, I actually waited all day for you. I had some other things to do. And um, I I just couldn't wait any longer. So it's it's too late to do this now. So we're going to have to do this tomorrow. But I need you to be on time. So the next day I pull up to our little church. And there is Philip waiting for me. And um, he greeted me and he said, Brother Steve, I love you. But you have a problem. (laughs) I'm like, okay, all right. We're going to do this. All right. You know, fine, Philip. And he said, you are an American, and all Americans are obsessed with time. You're just obsessed with it. You start on time. You end on time. You set your calendar. You, you know, you, you set your schedule. You set your alarms. And all day long, all you do is look at your wristwatch. And he said, I feel sorry for you. And I said, Philip, why do you feel sorry for me? And he said, because what if your time is not God's timing. You're going to miss out on a lot. 
So I replied to Philip, having heard his, his gentle rebuke. And I said, Philip, I need you to know something, brother. And here's what it is. You are in America right now. You left your culture and came to my culture. And, and while there's something to hear there, you know, there's something to consider, um, you cannot be six hours late for, an, for a meeting in America, and, and you're not going to end up having many meetings at all. You just can't do that here. So here's the question for you, okay? A little audience participation. Who was right? <laughs> well, well, I really, I need some vindication. So... Was I right or was Philip right? Now, I'll go ahead and answer the question because it's too obvious. Obviously, I was right, okay? <laughs> Listen, you can't do that here. You know, I mean, seriously, and I know we could say, oh, well, I, well, you know, he's absolutely right. Try that. Try that in this culture and see what happens. So I was right, but in, in a bigger scheme of things, Philip was also very right, I mean, there is a truth in what he is saying. We as Americans are overly fixated on time as a culture. We really, really are. Um, in truth, there are times in our lives as people and churches and institutions in America where we really are enslaved to time. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to other pastors, you know, guys I know in the EPC and in the community, and, and, and they'll say, you know, I know we've got to hold our schedule. I, I, you know, we've got children in the back, and we've got folks that need to be somewhere, but all of us have lamented the fact that there are times in church where, you know, we need to wait on the Lord a little bit longer. We need to push aside some of those boundaries and, and, and make room for the Lord. But in America, in general, time waits for no one. And we don't either. And sometimes it's true as Christians that we don't even wait on the Lord the way we should. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to redeem some time today. I'm going to read you a passage. Um, this is the biblical perspective on time. It's absolutely beautiful. It will enrich your soul. You have definitely heard this before. I'm talking Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 14. Let me read this for us. This is from Solomon. There is a time for everything. There is a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build. There is a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, um, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, there is a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink 
and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we thank you that you are Lord and we are not. Father, we thank you that you exercise a beautiful, sovereign control over everything that happens in our world. And so, God, today we look to you. Just as, as Max shared in his word, the statistics of your word are the statistics we live by. May it be the same with the seasons and the times that you appoint in our lives and in this church in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, um, we're going to start off with this passage by getting the language right, okay? Um, if you're reading this straight from the Hebrew, and some of your Bibles may have this. I don't think many do, though. It should read this way. There is a God-appointed season for all things. There is a God-given time for everything under heaven. So right off the bat, pulling it straight out of the Hebrew, we already learned something, and it is that regardless of whatever time we appoint to things, so no matter how, you know, when we say it's going to happen here, it's going to be this long, um, God sets the seasons. God absolutely determines the timing for all things. Now, we can ask the question, okay, well, why is that? You know, I've got a watch. I've got, I've got independence as American. Why is it that way? Well, here's the reason why. God created time. God, you know, you and I live underneath time. We are bound by time. Our day begins and ends according to the sun, right? God, though, exists outside of time. He created time. So for God, time is a tool in his hands. He is Lord so he sets the timer. He sets the calendar. The season is fixed by his hand. Now, what that means for us is a sobering, humbling reality, which is that we are not the Lord. So we are completely subject to the time that he has set. And so for you and I, here's what we are left to do, right, as children of God. We, first of all, have to recognize the God-given season we are in and respond to it and be true to it because we are worldly creatures going through God's fixed times. And I know even when I say that, there's a little American part of me that goes, wait a minute, I am in control. I, I've got it. Absolutely not. We are God's creation and we are subject to the time he has set in motion. And so what we can do is look at Ecclesiastes 3, which is a beautiful passage of wisdom, and realize that there are times and seasons that God will set, and some of them, some of these seasons are easy. Anybody up for the easy season? Love it. Love the easy season. Thank you, Lord. I mean, some seasons are just, they're wonderful. They're, they're, they're just floating down a river with the Lord taking us through something that we enjoy and appreciate. Some seasons, though, are really difficult. I'm not going to ask you who wants to sign up for a difficult season. I don't think I'll see any hands, but some of them are easy. Some of them are difficult. Some seasons are about very hard work and toil and labor. You know, it's kind of like Isaiah 40. You know, there are times when we, we soar on wings as eagles, 
There are other times when, you know, we, 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 we run and we don't grow weary. There are other times where you just walk and you don't faint. But this is the nature of those seasons. Some seasons are exactly as we expect them to be. You know, we see it coming. We figured it out. It plays out precisely the way we would imagine. Some seasons, though, from the Lord's hand are unexpected they're inconvenient. Some of them to us are even very unwelcome. Some seasons are happy. Some seasons are sad. Some seasons are chaotic. Some seasons are peaceful. But again, our job is to trust that our times are in his hands. And he is really in control. I don't know if you've ever talked to a Christian before. And, you know, they're talking about where they are in life. And, you know, you, you, they're, they're given a testimony without realizing they're given a testimony. They're, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And you just think inside, do, do you really trust the God that you profess? He's sovereign. He's in control. Ecclesiastes 3 just lays that out to us. And so, again, our job as believers is to appropriately respond to the season we are in. And some of that is right here in Ecclesiastes. That is why we weep and we mourn and we grieve at the funeral of a loved one. That is so appropriate during the God-given season. That's why we rejoice at the birth of a child. And I can't say that without thinking about my grandchild, which is on the way, girl, come on. But we do, we rejoice, you know? We, we, we lean into the season and, and we just rejoice. Bethany, I hope everyone knew that you were pregnant because that just gave the away. So anyway, okay, forget it. <coughs> I'm sorry. We'll have dinner tonight and you can straighten me out if we didn't. So, but we do that. You know, we, we recognize as believers that one day, that what we build in this life, one day somebody is going to come along and they are going to tear it down. In times of peace and prosperity, we enjoy it every moment of that. In times of war, we don't grieve. You know, we, we don't fall apart. We, we play the part that God has us play, whether it's a time of peace or a time of war. Now, so far, if we stop here, we could say to ourselves, you know, okay, there's some good here, but th this is a bit bleak. Um, you know, it, it, it's a bit too set for me as an American. I mean, I, I, I don't feel hope, uh, you know, totally hopeful that, you know, my seasons, my times are in God's hand. But listen, folks, the bottom line of Ecclesiastes 3 is that we are not in control of our lives the way we think we are. And that is, that is a big part of wisdom. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a few big takeaways from Ecclesiastes 3. So here is one thing you cannot miss in Ecclesiastes 3 unless you fall asleep reading the passage. Here it is. Number one, God is awesome. God is eternal and God is omniscient. Okay? So in other words, you and I I mean, I love y'all. It's, it's good to see all of you. I, you know, I, I've been here 51 years. I'm you know, planning on being here longer. But the bottom line is, as a human being, we are a moment in history. We're a moment. Our God is eternal. We do not know, okay, and this is the humbling, you know, especially for me too. We do not know half as much as we think we do, all of us. But you know what? God is all-knowing. 
He is completely wise. And so just in response to that, we are called to live in awe of God even when we don't understand the season, the why and the when, which leads us to takeaway number two. In verse 11, where Solomon writes, you know what? No one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I want you to know as a Christian, God has told us so much in his word, everything we need for life and faith. But we are not going to get every single thing God is doing along the way. He is the Lord, we're not. But sometimes in the moment, we, just like Solomon, I don't fathom it, Lord. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But the bottom line is this, he has got us. God is in control. As it says in the Psalms, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The people, all who live in it. So when we don't understand, what do we do? We don't give up and walk away. We trust. We trust the Lord. End of verse 11. Because he makes everything beautiful in his time. Isn't that great? In every season of our lives, God is making us beautiful. He's making something beautiful. People like Will, they just come into the world beautiful, okay? For the rest of us, God is making us beautiful, even in those difficult seasons of life. God is good. God is always doing good. And so for us, even when a thing is difficult, very difficult, God is at work. And in the end, it will be a wonder to behold. Have you ever done that in your life? Like you go through a season and you're like, God, I, I just, I don't get it. I don't know where you are. I don't feel you today. But I tell you, I feel a whole lot of pain. Give it six months. Give it a year. Let that season end and look back. And what do you see? God has done something new. God has used a season to enlarge your heart, to make you beautiful in a way that, that he, he wouldn't have done otherwise. We see it. By the way, some of your Bibles have a different translation for the word beautiful that's really neat. And it says, God has made everything suitable for its time. And actually, in Hebrew, you can go either way. But you know what the bottom line is there? That whatever God is doing, it fits just right in redemptive history. Whatever God is doing fits just right. And in time, we're going to see that as well. Takeaway number four. I love this, verses 12 and 13. There is nothing better for people than to be happy and do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. And this is a promise in this section that joy is a gift to God, a gift from God to us, that God gives us joy in every season. Regardless of the season, we as the people of God can be joyful. We can always rejoice. And if you're like me, you've lived through some stuff in your life, and you look, even now, you look at that thing and you go, hold on a second, there was nothing to rejoice in in that. But don't miss the meaning. It isn't that we will rejoice in the difficulty of the situation, the promise is we will always rejoice in the Lord. So something can be falling apart. We can encounter devastating loss. There's nothing to celebrate here. 
but we can say, Lord, you know what? In this season, you are good, you are love, you are eternal, you make all things beautiful, you are absolutely amazing, you never fail. That's the promise. We have the gift of joy. Isn't that awesome? Thank you for listening to the KPC Podcast. For more messages and information, visit kpc.org.